Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Chapter number two, I'm going to read a couple verses of scripture. Start with verse 16. We are tongue and grooving with last week. After last week, the very next day, I felt God already starting and pressing some other things on my heart. And so here we go. Verse 16 of Genesis 2. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So for all purposes, I guess tonight, this is the principle of freedom part two. And if I were to subtitle this, it would simply be this. Prohibition versus protection. Prohibition versus protection. All right, can we pray together? Father, I come to you this evening. God, I'm grateful, Lord, for the opportunity, God, to be here, to be in health, to be here. I pray, O oh Lord, as we come again and center our lives around your word. I pray, O oh God, that you would bring, Lord, all things, Lord Jesus, tonight into full, Lord, view and be clear, Lord Jesus, God, mark any air from my mouth. I pray, O oh Lord, for your anointing, God, that it would just, Lord, canvas, Lord Jesus, us in this place. God, before this service ends, help us, Lord, tonight, God, to have understanding. I pray, Jesus, God, granted by you, and I know, Lord, you'll help us along this journey tonight. In the lovely name of Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated this evening if you so desire. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's a common cliche we say. It's kind of like the same thing someone's saying, you know, if you have your Bibles open to such and such, like if someone doesn't have their Bible, you're going to do something else. But uh, so be seated if you want, or if, if you'd like to, I guess it's like if you don't want to, you can stand. I don't know. Um, the principle of freedom, part two, prohibition, prohibition versus protection. If I'm made tonight and for the next little while, I'd like to uh, perhaps elaborate on or even even revise a statement that I made last week. I made a statement last week uh, that true freedom comes with restraints or constraints. True freedom comes with restraints or constraints. And although that may be very well true, uh, I believe that statement may be altered somewhat based upon where a person is positionally. That statement may be altered a little bit concerning an individual's standpoint, or I might say the perspective of an individual may affect that statement. Basically meaning the same thing to a certain degree, but the verbiage or language being just a little bit different. And with that, if I could, for our purposes tonight, if I may restate that phrase that true freedom 
comes with restraints like this, I would like to say that true freedom comes with protection. True freedom comes with protection. Adam was told he could freely eat. Everyone say freely eat. Adam was told that he could freely eat of every tree of the garden. We understand then that that is no doubt freedom. But it says he could not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right away, according where you are positionally, where your perspective or standpoint is, right up front that might seem like restraint, constraint, regulation. But then we must ask ourselves the question, why couldn't Adam eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? And the answer is he could not eat of that particular tree because if he would, God said, you will die. And whenever I understand the why to what I first thought was a restraint, I understand that it's truly something for my protection. Amen. On the surface to me, in the beginning, it may look like something cumbersome, something that is not just, just totally just not allowing. But whenever I understand the why, why it's not allowed, I understand it's for my protection. You don't need to eat at the tree, not because I'm just trying to withhold that tree from you. You're not to eat at the tree, not just because I'm trying to be this little menacing individual that likes to give you a little bit of everything except but I'm doing this, Adam and Eve, for your protection. Amen. And so with that in mind tonight, there are times in our life that the why is never explained. There are certain things that will arrive in the life of a Christian and the life of the church that it is, you cannot eat of that tree and we're never given the why. Amen. And it's in those times that we're not given the why, the because, if you will, that we must rely upon what we know. All right, follow with me here a little bit tonight. Because God, he's a good God. Amen. James told us in our study of James that every good and perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither any shadow of turning. He's a good God. He even spoke to us in New Testament Scripture. If, if, if your, your, your son would ask of uh, uh, something, would you give him stone or, or buy, you know, so on and so forth? And, and if you be an, a man that's prone to evil and your nature give good gifts, how much more shall your heavenly Father give such good and perfect and honorable gifts? So God is looking out for our good, isn't he? Uh, he, he's a good God. He's looking out for our good. So he is not just keeping things from us for the sake of just keeping us from enjoyment. Amen. He's not just doing these things to try to keep us from enjoyment, but he's trying to keep us from something or perhaps keep us from doing something. And this is all for our protection. 
So if I don't really understand all the exact details to the why, I must lean on my understanding about what I know about God and his practices and how he operates, that he does things normally for my protection. So I don't necessarily have to know the why because I know all in all whenever I read the scripture and in my life that God usually tries to do things that's going to be for my benefit. Even those things that look intimidating, even destructive and for my demise on the surface, in the end, God has really worked those things for my benefit. Someone say amen. So here's Adam. He could freely eat with protection, all right, or not eat at all. Because the moment he ate at the tree, he and his wife were banned from the Garden of Eden. Now listen, I want us to understand something. Being banned from the paradise, being banned from the Garden of Eden wasn't necessarily a direct consequence of eating from the tree solely. You have walked with me here tonight. They should not have ate of the tree, yes. But him banning them from the garden was more than just per se a consequence. More importantly, it was another level of protection. Mm-hmm. For Adam and Eve, after they've made their mistake. The Bible says in Genesis 3 verse 22, And the Lord God said... Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth, listen now, now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. In other words, God says, I took them and sent them forth from the garden. I drove them forth from the garden because I didn't want there to be a chance that after they had made their mistake, transgressed and sinned, they turned around and grabbed some fruit of the tree of life and live forever in a sinful state. Someone say amen. He said, I didn't want that to happen. He said, but if they were to partake of the tree of life after eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they would live in an eternally fallen, sinful state. So in order to safeguard that from happening, in order to protect that, I'm going to remove this first couple from the Garden of Eden. So God, once again, that was all a result of him wishing and desiring to protect us. Amen. There are some things in life that we perceive to be prohibitions all right but God has stationed them there to be provisions of protection in our life we might see it as something that's limiting us but in reality God has set that there to protect us case in point some people, I know someone in particular, has spoken about this mechanism called a seatbelt that's in vehicles. 
Uh-huh. My mother hates them. She does. And I've heard her all the time say, man, this thing is irritating. It's rubbing my neck because she's short. I hate this thing. It's rubbing my neck. You know, you ever got in and, man, it's restraining my movement a little bit. My mobility is kind of down a little bit. It's a, it's a little, uh, you know, on a road trip, it seems I'm a little cumber, it's cumbersome, you know, it's, got rubbing my earlobe and, and man sometimes you know if you, you, you move a little too much and it tightens up and man this is, this is a little bit restrictive but the automakers and those who pass legislation whenever they considered this idea of a seatbelt did not have in mind while they were devising this, I wonder how cumbersome we can make the seatbelt. I wonder how restrictive we can make the seatbelt so that it will just limit the mobility of a person during normal travel. I want, you know, masterminds just really just missed out on really having some good jokes in their life. Now it's taking it out in their profession. I, I wonder how restrictive we can make the seatbelt. What they did was this. They aimed at making the seatbelt as comfortable as possible without compromising its functionality and purpose of being protective. Someone say amen. Because the main purpose for that little mechanism in our vehicles is for our protection in the event of an accident. Now, you can go without it. By law, you're not supposed to, but you can go without it if you have this idea in your mind that they're just trying to prohibit your movement altogether. Someone hear me right now. You can go without it if you think they're just trying to restrict you and this is just another legislation from the government trying to control my life. <laughs> but let something arise in your life going down the road that you didn't see coming. Let something set you in a tailspin or perhaps flipping end over end and I guarantee you you're going to move a whole lot more and further than you would have had you had a seatbelt on. You may even lose your life. Everybody falling along tonight. Consider the scripture Matthew 18 and verse 8. He says, wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off. Cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life, halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. If thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. He says if these things offend thee. The words offend or the words offense in the New Testament come from a Greek word, a Greek root, which means to bend or to bow. In other words, if these things cause thee to bend, or if these things cause you to bow, he says then, whatever that might be, whatever that idea, whatever it may be that may cause you to bend or bow, he said it's best to just do
do without. In other words, he says, because he said you're going to enter into life, it's better for you to enter life halt or maimed, or it's better for you to enter life with one eye. In other words, it's better for you to live without than to meet hell with all. Amen. <laughs> it's better for you to uh, have some things that you think that might be priority and important to do without in this life to live rather than to have all the eggs that you wanted in your basket in the basket too but meet hell. Ruth chapter number 2 and verse number 8. Bible says, Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field, that they do reap, and go thou after them. I have not charged, I have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Boaz is admonishing Ruth. He says, go not glean in another field. I don't want you to go to another field. I want you to stay right here. I don't want you to go into another. For that matter, he says, I want you to keep your eyes on this field. Keep your eyes on this field. And furthermore, I want you to go after the reapers. Now, during this time in which the book of Ruth was written is during the time of Judges. There was a lot of calamity. There was a lot of wickedness and evil that was going on. And during this time, fields in those days did not have any fences and they did not have any hedges that divided up the fields so it would have been very easy for Ruth without there being hedges or fences to wander off what was Boaz's field onto another field or land without knowing it, all right? So in so doing, though, if she did that, she might find herself in a position of being unprotected because Boaz told her, you stay in my field, keep your eyes on my field, and have not I said unto the men that they should not touch thee. He says, as long as you stay here, you got my protection. He said, but I can't litigate what might happen if you go into someone else's field. You got protection as long as you stay in my field. But if you get in another field, you might not have the protection that you have in my field. Amen. <laughs> so if Ruth was going to do as Boaz has asked of her, she was going to gain a blessing. She's going to gain a reward from gleaning in his field. But he said, you got to keep your eyes on my field. Amen. you got to keep your eyes on my field. Focus on my field. In other words, you can't be looking at the other fields. You can't be looking at the other fields. He says, in order for you to maintain and be and involved and attached to the field, you got to keep your eyes on the field. You can't have wandering eyes. You've got to keep your eyes on the field because if you're looking elsewhere, you might be tempted to go glean somewhere else because maybe at that point in time, their crop may seem more appealing to you than the crop that's in my field. But I told you that if you stay in my field, keep your eyes on my field, you got my protection. Someone say amen. 
In my Bible reading today, I was reading from Lamentations. I read a, a verse and a certain phrase in Scripture that grabbed my heart today. As I was reading in Lamentations 3.51, it said this, and there is, in, we know these things are true, but whenever you run across a Scripture that underscores it, it's like, bam, there it is. And the, the writer of Lamentations in 3.51 said, he said, mine eye affecteth my heart. Whew. Man, that had a lot of weight for me today whenever I read that. That mine eye affecteth my heart. Boaz knew what he was doing, being a type and a shadow, even of Jesus Christ. He said, listen here, Ruth, keep your eyes on the field. Amen. Because whatever you're looking at is going to affect your heart. Your eye is going to affect the demeanor and, and the position of your heart. So protection, Ruth, it's found right here in my field. I've told the young men not to touch thee because it was known during the time of the judges, even Deuteronomy, that we often see that a, a lady would cry out. The Bible says one had cried in a field. There were dangers of women working in fields being taken advantage of by men, rapes and so on and so forth happening in the fields. And so he's setting her mind at ease. Don't worry, I'll provide protection for you in my field you're not going to be taken advantage of in my field furthermore it's not just that you stay here and you keep your eyes on the field but number number three is this he instructed her that she should follow those that are before her verse 9 said let thine eyes be on the field that you do reap and go thou after them Someone say amen. amen. <laughs> he says, you're in the field. You're not real familiar to this field because you're new here. You're new. You're a little green. You're a novice. And we don't have delineation. We don't have fences and we don't have hedges that show the perimeter of the field. So you keep your eyes on the field. And he says, I want you to follow the reapers. Follow those that are before you. Why? Because this isn't their first time working this field. Oh, but there's some responsibility being shouldered here. He says this isn't their first time working the field. And he says where the lines may be invisible to you about where the bounds of the property is, it's not so much invisible to them because they've walked the border before. <laughs> in other words, Boaz had faith in his reapers. In so much he could have a novice come to a field that they never reaped before, that there's no hedges or literal boundaries that can be seen, but he had enough confidence and faith in his reapers that he said, honey, you can follow them. Someone say amen. God needs to have enough confidence, be able to have enough confidence in people that's been in this thing called church for several years that someone new can come in that doesn't really know where all the bounds are and all the hedges are and all the fences are that he could have enough confidence. Hey, you just follow in the footsteps that they're going because they've traveled this field for a while. Perhaps some Christians today are acting the way they are because their teachers, their parents, their leaders have not underscored how precious this gift is that has come to them. What are you saying, Brother McGee? He said he had, he had faith in his reapers. He had faith in the people that he pointed out and said, you can follow them. My question for us that may be doing the leading is this. How do we relay the idea of boundaries 
in the life of the people that's following us. Let me say it like this. Parents, how do you relate the things that your children should or should not do according to God's word? How do you relate to that to them? Do you relay that as something that they are prohibited to do? Or do you relay that to them that that's something that God is protecting you with? Because too many times I've heard, well, we can't, we can't, we can't. You missed the picture. It's not we can't, we can't, we can't. It's that God has set that thing in place for your protection. He's not keeping you from something. Yeah, on a certain episode, he is from danger, from death, from demise, from destruction. How are you relaying that to those who are following you? Yeah, we can't do all this stuff. Or you tell them, look, you don't want to do that because that's a means that God is protecting you and safeguarding your relationship and your life. Someone say amen. How do we paint those things? Because however we paint them is sure going to affect the interpretation on their end and their spirit toward it. Because the first thing with literal children, you tell them they can't. What do they want to do? They want to do it. <laughs> cookies are freshly baked. Don't touch the cookies. You know what happens? They're still soft and you got imprints of fingers. And portions of cookies gone. How are you lining this up for them? If you walk this path long enough, we don't do this in our household, don't eat the cookies because they're laced with poison. And the day you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, if I told them just know, they're going to be a little upset in their spirit. Why are they keeping these nice, luscious cookies by all common appearances away from me? But if I tell them they'll die if they eat them, or Sister McGee, they're hot and you'll burn your lip if you eat them, they're going to be a whole lot more comfortable maybe staying distance. Where they see that this is something presented to them, not that they're trying to be kept from, amen, for the purpose of just being kept from, from, from but for the purpose of protecting them. There's times we've become aggravated at our children or my kids. I'll just use mine for example. For the way that they've treated items. Things that they have. The way they've treated that. We've gotten them or bought them and they treat it like it's a piece of trash. No respect for it. And I'm a little irritated. But part of the mistreatment is in part because they do not understand how valuable that item is. They cannot gauge in their mind how much that really cost. But make them earn some money little by little through some chores, through some sacrifice time on their part. And let them now buy 
the item that you would have normally bought for them but they now earn that through some work and some money and some chores and sacrifice time and they might relish and value that item a little bit more than just if it were given to them. Now, now understand, I know that God has not and will not make us earn this precious gift that we call the Holy Ghost. But it is vitally important tonight to understand what he had to go through in order to make the gift accessible to you and I. The reason why our freedom comes with protection is because our freedom is of great value and great worth. It's meaningful. And in order to safeguard that, because it's valuable, because it's of worth, in order to safeguard that, it must come with protection. There are certain things that we do not put fences around and locks on and put in our garage. I don't protect and lock down things that have no value or worth to me. Okay? My idea, there is no need to protect something of no worth. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, you've said it yourself. Well, you know, if someone takes it, you know, no big deal. Why do you say that? Because evidently that don't have much value or worth to you. So there are certain things around your house that you don't mind if it stays in the backyard exposed to the elements or uh, untethered and not chained to something because it would not represent a great loss if it were taken. Because to you it's not worth much. It's not valued much. However, there are other things. There are other things that you'll talk to your wife or child about if they left out where it should not have been. Because it is of great value and great worth. You'll not leave it out because it's too costly and expensive to you to willing chance losing. If you remember a lesson at another time, we talked about the idea of value, how value is not derived from the object itself, but the value is derived from the one who possesses the object or the one who desires the object. Amen. The object has no value in and of itself. Its value is marked at whoever desires it. You know, you might have a baseball card and say, man, this thing here is worth $10,000. That's only worth $10,000 if it's worth that to someone who desires it. The object itself, but if someone has a desire enough that they're willing to put down $10,000, then it's valued that, all right? Listen to me. I know I, I'm throwing a bunch at you maybe tonight. I don't know if maybe it's slipping through the net. But God understands the legitimacy of this freedom that you and I have and that he's provided for us. And as a result of it, he's given it to us with safeguards and protections. Why? Because it, of its value, because of its worth. Now listen, I want you to follow this line of thought here just for a moment. Now the adversary, our devil, has this lifestyle that he's, totally left unguarded. A lifestyle that he's totally left unguarded and without protection or restraints. Why? Because he must not value it 
it's worth much. And that in itself should speak something to me. That if someone has something in an unguarded, unprotected area, then that thing must not mean very much to the owner. And if it doesn't mean very much to the owner, why does it mean so much to me? Do what you want to do. Do whatever feels good. Just do your own thing. The theme of the world. Just do whatever you want to do. What is that? That's unprotected. That's unguarded. Satan doesn't have any of those things. Why? It's not very valuable to him. Well, if he's the owner of all this and that's not very valuable to him, why do I want to cast my money into that? Why do I want... You understand? If it's not valuable to the owner, why is it valuable to me? Someone say amen. The reason why it does something for us is because maybe we're desirous of that thing. If you remember however long ago we did the study on Nehemiah, I'm running quickly, Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 17, then said I unto them, ye shall see, ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Jerusalem's in waste. It's distress. The gates and walls are destroyed. It's burned with fire. Amen. We have these walls. They served uh, many functions in the old cities and in the Old Testament times. They were used for safety. They were used for protection. They were used for defense. They were visible evidences of where your boundaries and your perimeters were at. But with that, in those walls, there were gates. They were ways that were in and ways that were out. They controlled who came in and who went out. Friends were prevented through the gate. Foes were kept out of the gate. When gates are not properly working, the wrong people get into your city. And the devil has free access into your life. But here's the statement. The Lord laid on my heart today. Your walls... Defenses, safeties, things of protection, perimeters, bounds. Your walls are only as strong as your gates are. That wall could be seven and a half feet thick, 25 feet high, an impenetrable force. But that wall is only as strong as the gate is. Meaning, you can have that thick and that high of a wall. But if you're still opening the gate to things that should not be on the inside of the wall. If I can state it another way, your walls of protection and defense are only as strong as your let me state it like this. Are as only as strong or weak as your allowances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your convictions, only as strong as your allowances. Your laws, your precepts, only as strong as your allowances. Your rules, only as strong as your allowances. What are you saying? Because we structure our wall, and here it is, it's big and thick, but we still got a gate on the wall. Uh-huh. 
And we say this is what we stand for and so on and so forth. But you have a gate there that's constantly, amen, it's not steadfast, but it has mobility to swing on a hinge. Our allowances. And sometimes our allowances are firm and sometimes they're weak. Oh, I'm about ready to feel the Spirit coming about now. I know 30 minutes in, but I'm feeling it coming on. In other words, there, that the allowance of, of the gate. There are sometimes, oh, I'm going to go down the line now. There are sometimes with the gate that we say, no, we're only going to allow, I'm just throwing this out here. We're only going to allow uh, PG-rated movies into this home. And then there's other times that somehow are another garbage starts filtering in you have a great big thick high wall but it's only as strong as the allowance of the gate and sometimes it's firm and sometimes it's weak it's Oh, yes. Sometimes it's just a gentle holding of a hand with a lady. Amen. A little arm around the shoulder. And other times it's kissing her and touching places that should not be kissed or touched. It's all about the allowance of the gate. So the rebellious look at the wall. Keeps me from going such and such. Keeps me from doing such and such. Keeps me from seeing such and such. But the healthy view of that wall and the proper use of that gate says, hey, this keeps me from harm. This keeps me from danger. This keeps us from utter destruction. If you click that seatbelt with the understanding of its true motive for your protection... I guarantee you, if you go with that mindset, you can bear the times that it tightens up on you seemingly without cause. If you understand that it's going to safeguard you when your world's spinning around, you can bear <laughs> the times that it seems to tighten up without cause. But in reality, let's ponder here for a moment. When it tightens up on you seemingly without cause, you know, you jerked or you move suddenly and all of a sudden it's like, Man, that's tight. I can't wait till I get stopped and I can undo that. You know why it did that? It's because it felt the threat. It began to interpret something threatening taking place. And it reacted according to the way it was made. It tightened up. Someone say Amen. We pawned off, well, that thing's malfunctioning. See, these things don't work. They're stupid. I told you they're stupid. We say it's a little silly. But it was designed to operate according to some threat of a sudden stop or that unforeseen impact that was taking place. See, we're thankful for the Lord's protection as long as what we perceive we're being protected from is a threat to us. I want somebody to hear me clearly right now. We're thankful for God's protective hand. Whenever whatever it is infiltrating, we understand to be a threat and we perceive that to be a threat. Thank you, God, for your protection. But let something start entering our life that we don't characterize as a threat or any big deal. And that careful protection that he is providing, then we start terming, he's prohibiting me from doing something. 
just because we cannot see the danger involved from our perspective. I don't know if I, am I throwing this out at a good enough level for everybody tonight? Thank you, God, for your protection. Yeah, man, that was going to get me. I was going to be going down the wrong road if I went down that path, but God's protection because we've seen the threat. But you must, you got to trust God. You got to trust God because every threat that comes in your life, you're not going to have some big poster board on it saying, yeah, that's a threat. It's going to come in as a snare unbeknownst to you, but it's still just as real as a threat. And you need not to turn then what God's asking of you to do in your life as well. He's just prohibiting me or keeping me from doing something. No, he's still protecting you even though you don't realize he's I'll get too close. I really will. A life jacket. Let's, let's consider this. You hear me out. These illustrations, you're going to find in some great book of illustrations. <laughs> they flowed from my own little pea brain here. You hear me out. I want you to get this. So I might not look at you. Is inspired when I wrote it. <laughs> a life jacket isn't any less protective on an individual whose life was safe from drowning in water he or she wasn't afraid of. You hear me? Or felt threatened by. Than it does on an individual who felt they were in grave danger by just being around water. In other words, one may have seen it as a threat and a perceived danger, and the other one thought, no big deal. But if they were both wearing it and it saved their life, it doesn't make one more protective than the other. You understand? I'll close. I won't wear y'all. Seriously, you can. Nor does the person that sues the automaker because during the crash the seatbelt was so constrained it caused some severe bruising on their legs and torso. So here they are, they're going to sue. I got bruising on my torso and I got bruising on my legs because of this seatbelt. They missed the point. Perhaps if they weren't wearing the seatbelt, they'd been void of bruises on their torso and legs, but they could be completely dead. So if I may restate then my phrase from, from last week because it's based upon vantage point, true freedom comes with restraints. Well, I like to say it like this on this side of Calvary, that true freedom comes with protection. And the way that you view it those two statements, one or the other, may reveal a lot about your relationship with the Lord. Do you see those things set in place as something that's being prohibited? Or do you see those things set in place as protection? That's really what it all boils down to. This freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ.
we bow our heads this evening. God, we come before you, Lord, and I'm thankful, God, for your protection. God, even the times that I did not know the why to the admonition, didn't know the why to the admonition, but I knew who you were and I knew how you normally operated and I knew your word. And from that, I knew that whatever the why may be in this scenario, it must be because God is trying to protect me. I'm not just trying to keep me from some thrill or enjoyment or gratification or satisfaction in life. He's trying to, he's trying to protect me. He has protected me many times when I didn't even sense danger or feel a threat of danger. He's protected me. Because literally there are things tonight, folks, there are things that probably set and maybe even now under my voice and I'm not going through laundry lists and I'm not going through lists but there may be people sitting already under the sound of my voice tonight that's thinking what's the deal with this man and certain things that maybe you're feeling already some conviction about you're saying what is the big deal preacher I'll tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost what's the big deal you may not understand what the big deal is you might not have the why but if you'll trust this God you say that you love that you're in relationship with that gave up his life for you to have this bountiful gift if you'll trust that God trust and know that whatever it is it is a big deal and he's doing it for your protection folks is there anything that's offending you tonight I'm not talking about message wise maybe that is too but is there anything offending you in your life in your walk in your relationship is there anything that's causing you to bow or to bend then you're better off doing without it than to have it God's putting those things in there. He's putting those things in there. Trying to make this life that we live just as comfortable as possible without, without compromising, without compromising the, 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 the functionality of his protection for our life. I don't care to change fields. I don't care to change fields. Because he's already given a word of assurance to me that if I stay in this field and I keep my eyes on this field and I follow disciplined, godly people before me, that I have protection here. I don't have that promise in another field. I, I don't have that promise in another field. God, I love you right now. Let's just pray together tonight. I won't hold you. Let's pray. Father God, we just love you.
Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.